Hello, everybody, and welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast where we normally talk about Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time, but we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to be talking about another book, because at the end of the day, this is a sort of book club-esque podcast. Right now, we're just sort of focused on Wheel of Time, but we're going to take a break from that and jump back into it next week because I wanted to talk about a series that uh, packs a bit of a punch, and I don't know if that's a good thing. So I'm going to start with the first book of this series, and it's the Pretty Little Liar series, and I'm going to talk about the first book called Pretty Little Liars. So, to start, I actually don't mind that title. I mean, it's a garbage series, but my god, is it so much fun to hate read. And that's what I did. That's the only really rational solution I could come up with as to why a grown man is reading a book intended for teenagers. So, that's where we are today. So I'm just going to start off with a little bit of background about the series itself. So the book series was first published in 2006 and the last book was in 2014. So the 16 books can be divided into two series. The first date is one and the last date are the sequel. And it's really funny, considering the fact that Sarah Shepard wrote in the afterword of the eighth book, thank you all, the series is done, and then there was probably money involved. Anyway, the series is along the same vein as the Gossip Girl series, which predates Pretty Little Liars by four years. It's the sort of genre of... High school-aged, straight, rich, white teenagers doing awful shit and getting away with it because they can and are supposedly both based on the author's real-life experience, which, if so, Jesus Christ, because a lot of awful shit happens. I just have to imagine that Sarah Shepard, the author of Pretty Little Liars, just, like, knew a clique of girls in her childhood and just kind of went from there, which isn't a bad thing, but my god, considering what happens in these books, I don't think she liked them all that much. So I kind of lumped these two series together because they were made into really popular TV shows and were kind of among this like tier of uh, teenage TV shows that I consumed to no end. Uh, Gossip Girl, Vampire Diaries, Pretty Little Liars, all there for my little gay self to consume. So what are these books about? So the long and short of it is it's set in this affluent suburb of Rosewood, Pennsylvania, and follows four high school girls, Ariel Montgomery, Hannah Marin, Emily Fields, and Spencer Hastings, as they start their junior year of high school. They begin receiving texts from a mysterious figure named A, who threatens to leak all of their secrets to the people of Rosewood and destroy their lives. So... 
the first, like, book poses the two big questions of the first series. Who is A? Why are they doing this? And what happened to their missing friend, Alison De Laurentiis, and what happened on the night she went missing? And with that, let's let's get into this first book. It's a lot, y'all. So, okay, I'm going to try to start with the good. Because it's not all bad. I mean, there is a lot of problematic content in this book, but hey. So, the opening prologue is actually pretty decent. For what it is, it's really well written. It sets the tone of what this book is going to be. Um, so, I'm going to read that for you guys. Because I think I'm not even being funny when I say I actually really like it. I mean, okay. So, I'm going to try to be as entertaining in my reading of this as I can. I'm no Michael Kramer, but... Let's do this. Okay. Imagine it's a couple of years ago. The summer between 7th and 8th grade. You're tan from lying out next to your rock-lined pool. You've got on your new juicy sweats. Remember when everybody wore those? This is going to be very dated. Let me remind you. And your mind's on your crush. The boy who goes to that other prep school whose name we won't mention and who folds jeans at Abercrombie in the mall. You're eating your Cocoa Krispies, just how you like them, doused in skim milk, and you see this girl's face on the side of the milk carton, missing. She's cute, probably cuter than you, and she has a feisty look in her eyes. You think, hmm, maybe she likes soggy Cocoa Krispies too, and you bet she'd think Amber Crumble Boy was a hottie as well. You wonder how someone so, well, so much like you went missing. You thought only girls who entered beauty pageants ended up on the sides of milk cartons. Well, think again. So, again, very dated. So dated. Juicy Couture. That was 2004 to 2006. I mean, my God. But again, this sets the tone. It does a good job. I'm actually... I like it. I mean, she's no Gillian Flynn, but I mean, anyway. So we go on and we meet the main cast and we kind of get like a, this is who they are, nudge, nudge. So Aria is the kooky one and the offbeat one because she has pink hair. Emily is the boring one because she wears, quote, blah jeans and doesn't dress like the other 7th graders. Okay, I just need to remind you all that these characters in this prologue are uh, in just out of 7th grade. So, like, 12 to 13 years old. 12 to 13. I just need you guys to know this. So, um, Allison is the ringleader. She's very ambitious. She's on the JV field hockey team. And she smokes cigarettes with the older girls. And it's established that Spencer Hastings is 
just as ambitious as Allison and hates competition. So we're getting from the start who these girls are. Oh, I forgot. Hannah Marin is the fat, ugly friend. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the day after seventh grade and they're can't wait for the eighth grade and we get a sense of these girls don't like Allison but they like the fact that she pulled them out of this obscurity of middle school and made them sort of the it girls um which okay but the creepy part about that is, um, <laughs> it's talked about that Allison is the it girl of their whole school. Like, it's a day school, so I guess it's like kindergarten to high school in different buildings. But the book tells us that, like, girls wanted to be her, guys wanted to kiss her, and I'm like, a 12 to 13 year old again there's a lot of not great things here like it gets worse so um we then meet mona vanderwall who is the constantly picked on girl who tries to hang out with them and they're all assholes to her and then we move on from there. We meet Spencer's older sister and her boyfriend, Ian. They are about 18. And um, Ian flirts with Spencer, gives her a little smile. Again, Spencer is uh, 12 to 13. Um, one of the big things about this book is Sarah Shepard does a lot of telling. She tells us that, oh... Melissa is a bitch. She's mean to Spencer. And we don't see that at all. We just see this kind of like pretentious girl who is a product of an environment of competitiveness. But we're supposed to like only the liars and not anyone else. So... It's supposed to give off this vibe of anyone could be a suspect, which doesn't work out, because, you know. So, everyone's having a sleepover, and Allison threatens to reveal everybody's secret, which, I don't know, a group of friends tends to be well-connected and know each other's secrets, but for the sake of this, they don't, so... Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's a flashback before the main series starts. The brief prologue starts three years before the main books. So Allison pisses everybody off and then just goes, Hey, why don't I hypnotize you guys? So it works for everyone except for Spencer. And they get into a little bit of a fight. But, again, Sarah Shepard goes, they knew what this was about. It's much deeper than being hypnotized. And 
again, this book is for teens, but I feel like you don't have to dumb it down. Like, I read Harry Potter. As I reread it, I found little clues for us to pick on that she who shall not be named put in. We're not dumb. Young people aren't dumb. We can pick up on things, maybe not the more subtle nuances, but still give a little bit of credit where credit is due. So they fight and Allison leaves the barn where they were having their sleepover. It's a converted barn, granted. So Spencer comes back and is like, Allie's gone. And then it skips ahead three years. And so... The girls are now juniors in high school, or getting ready to go into their junior year. So, when I was a junior, I was about 15, 16. I need you guys to know they're still underage, because it's important. And it drove me insane. So, I don't want to bore you guys that's going through the book, so... I'm just going to kind of go through each girl and kind of talk about what their plot of the book is. Um, I'm going to start with the best because there's actually some good stuff and it's with Hannah and Spencer. So I'll start with Spencer. So she gives Hannah and Spencer a lot more nuance, I think. It's really interesting, and so Spencer is raised in an environment of com competition. Her family plays a game of uh, star, who is like the brightest star, and everyone goes around and says what's the best thing that they've done that day, and then the family votes who was the best. So it's not great. She's living in the shadow of her older sister, who seemed to be just top tier but Spencer does great for herself she very much has a high academic record very on track to go to an Ivy League school which good for you dude but of course this has some psychological effects on her she meticulously organizes her wallet like the money according to the serial number on the bills uh, her clothes are specifically organized, like just everything has to be perfect. So when it starts, uh, Melissa brings her boyfriend home, who is a student doctor, and Spencer kind of starts crushing on him, which is, you know, cute. She's 15, 16. He's a med student. First year, but a med student. So there's a bit of like, back and forth between them where he starts flirting with her and she misconstrues it a lot like she's like oh is he flirting with me and it seems very innocent that is until they start making out and nearly have sex in her walk-in closet and she's 15 to 16 years old and he is an adult so Melissa catches them, and this alienates the entire family from Spencer. But, yeah, it's gross. So, when Spencer starts getting the text from A, she's the only one to really be proactive and try to figure out who it is. 
they go, maybe it's Allison. But she goes, no, 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 there's other suspects. So then next is Hannah. Just want to preface this that I'm going to talk about eating disorders coming up. So if y'all are uncomfortable with that, it's specifically about binging and purging. I just want to put that out there. I'm going to kind of talk about it because it's a huge part of Hannah's art. So, Hannah, like I mentioned, was the frumpy, sort of fat girl of the group. Allison constantly made comments about her weight, and there was a very triggering moment when she, Hannah, met her stepsister for the first time and saw that her dad was really just in love with this new family, and she begins binging and purging her food and really dieting. So by the time we meet her in the uh, present, she's the new queen bee. And like I said, she's given a lot of nuance. I think her and Spencer just seem a lot more fleshed out. There's a lot to her reasoning as to why she is how she is. I think there was this subtle need of wanting to become the person that she thinks her father would love and the person Allison would want to be friends with. That's a really fascinating character and I was pleasantly surprised by her character because she acts like a 15 to 16 year old sometimes. So, that was the good. This is the bad. Okay. Um, which is worst? Okay, um, so Emily's whole arc is she meets this girl, Maya, who moves into Allie's house. Because the De Laurentiis family moved out. So, Emily has her bi-slash-lesbian awakening because of this. And she has a boyfriend, but their relationship is so dumb and not well written that, like, when he's like, oh, you're into this other girl and breaks up with her, it's kind of like, all right, bye. We don't get the sense of history between them. We don't really know how she truly feels. We just know that Maya just awakened something in her. And again... This was written in 2006. It understandably was going to be this like, ooh, oh my god, lesbians in my teen literature? So, and it's not really well done. Emily is just a very passive and boring character. Um, and the little cherry on top is uh, her family's racist, so... Her mom makes a couple, uh, thinly veiled racist comments about Maya's family, so that adds a little bit of tension. But, again, it's not treated with any weight. It's just kind of like, my mom said something racist. Anyway, so, again, her arc is very eh in this book. Um, but it's not as awful as Arya's. So... <laughs> Alright, so Arya, on her first day back in Rosewood, 
drops her brother off at lacrosse practice. Granted, she doesn't have her driver's license, and her parents are like, we let our kids call us by our first names. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. So yeah, her mom's like, yeah, you can drive your brother's school even though you don't have a license or a permit. The worst you'll do is he'll hit a cow. No, she could get hurt. But that's like the least stupid thing. So Arya's like so judgmental because... Her and her family were in Iceland in the three-year gap. Her dad was filming a documentary about Scandinavian art, which, I don't know, that doesn't seem like the best reason they were out there. But, again, I don't know. I'm not an art historian, so. This trip to Europe left Aria with a bit of, uh, I'm better than these American kids. We constantly hear in her narration of like, oh, I read French philosophers. I once took the train in Paris with an outdated map and one pair of underwear. And we're supposed to go, oh my God, you're so worldly. You just know the world. But she comes off as so pretentious and judgmental. And it, it it's just so rough to read. And... So, she talks to this guy that she used to have a crush on, and she's just like, you know what, I'm gonna go get a beer, because maybe then these boys will be attractive to me. So, she goes to a bar, which is in, like, the college section of the town of Rosewood, which, it doesn't make sense. So, she goes there, granted, she's 16, she's 16 does not get carded at the door, orders a beer without the bartender checking her ID. And it would be a thing of if she had her ID and it was fake, it was a fake ID she got in Iceland or something, then okay, yeah, sure. I am a bartender. If I got caught, if Arya got into an accident or something, boom, lawsuit. It, it, it doesn't make sense. So... She starts talking with this guy, and <laughs> they have this, like, cute little, like, oh, you like books? Eh, eh. He's a college student, uh, 22, and it turns out her new English teacher, as she finds out on the first day of school. So, um, again, 16, hooking up with a 22 to 23 year old and it's okay cause it's scandalous. And for a moment, the teacher goes, no, we can't do this, you lie to me. And then suddenly he just goes, oh fuck it, you were flirting with this other student who is your age and it made me so jealous, I just needed you and they hook up, they don't have sex, but they just cuddle naked. Again, she's 16 years old, or 15. We don't know when her birthday is. So, <laughs> the book, her arc ends with um, the teacher finding texts from A, essentially going, ew, you're hooking up with your teacher? Ooh. And he thinks it's some big joke against him, and he 
dumpster. But, spoiler, they get back together in the next book and have sex. So, <laughs> so much for that. So, um, the book ends with, uh, we find out that Allison is dead. Uh, Maya's family was renovating the backyard and they broke up this concrete and they found Allison's corpse. And at the funeral for Allison, the friends are all kind of together for the first time and they get a text from A saying, I'm still here, bitches, and I know everything. A. So, yeah, again, a lot of problematic content. It... So, again, it's supposed to be this sort of book where they get away with it because of course they do. They're rich, they're white, Hannah shoplifts from Tiffany's and her mom seduces the police officer in order to get her out of it. She does it again when she steals her ex-boyfriend's car. Granted, she is drunk, still drinking as she's driving. And again, the mom fucks the police officer to get her out of it. And so... <laughs> Oh, also, Hannah and her new BFF, Mona, who is also pretty and thin and also the Queen Bee, are drinking red wine at a public restaurant in the mall. And that's fine. It, they can do whatever they want here, apparently. It's just free-for-all. It's maddening to read. Like, it's so frustrating because where are the adults? Are there adults in this book? Evidently not, because teenagers are drinking in bars, hooking up with their teachers, driving drunk, crashing, and it's all okay, because they'll just fuck it away. So, I just had to take a moment of silence, because even talking about what happens in that book just, I don't know, it just sends me into, like, a comatose state where I, I, I don't know who I am anymore. Um, but I, there are some good things. I mean, I know who A is and, uh, it's Mona revealed to have been Mona and it kind of works. That's what I got to kind of give Sarah Shepard, like knowing who A is and reading what happens. It's actually pretty smart because Mona is with Hannah when she crashes her car, but they go to a gas station and Mona keeps her back to the camera and then steals some guy's hat to conceal her identity so she doesn't get caught. It's actually pretty decent and I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, cool, again, very few good things about this book. The pacing was another thing that just, I didn't like. It was too quick. Like, she writes something happening, and then the next chapter, the characters would be over it. Like, it didn't even matter that it happened. It. I wish we got to sit with things just a little bit more, get to see them processing this, because it was just too late. They get a text from A. Anyway, move on. Next chapter. Um, and again... Her character work is 
decent. Um, except for outside of the liars, everyone is pretty two-dimensional. Like, the guys in the series are just either stupid, jock, rich kids with no real discernible personality. I mean, Noel Kahn is maybe good, but no. Um, it makes the read a little uninteresting. I, I just kind of rolled my eyes and went, okay, I get what you're doing here, but it's not working. And so the prose itself, as an author, I feel like you don't want to date yourself. I mean, putting in references to go, okay, this is like the 2010s, someone has an iPhone, something kind of small, but doesn't date you in a certain series of years is, I feel like, not what you wanted to. I'm, but Sarah Shepard just does it. Dr. Phil, Juicy Couture, Sidekicks, Black Fairies, things that I kind of know really well because I grew up in the 2000s, but I feel like someone who grew up in the 2010s, which I don't even want to talk about, that scares me, they wouldn't know what this is. I mean, they would know what an iPhone is and maybe what Dr. Phil is, but Juicy Couture, Sidekicks, yeah, I don't know. It feels very, hello, fellow kids, yes, I know brand names. And, you know, to give her credit, I don't think she thought a 27-year-old gay man was going to be reviewing these books with a critical eye in 2021, so, you know. So, one of the big things also that I didn't mention. So, they mention an event called the Jenna thing. And how if that got out to everyone, they'd be fucked. So what it essentially is, is there's Toby and his stepsister Jenna. They were hooking up. Allison saw as she was about to pull a prank on them. She put a lit firework in their treehouse. It went off. Toby and Jenna were fine, but Jenna got blinded. Toby got sent to a military school, and Allison never got caught. The girls were never implicated with her, and that's where I kind of went for maybe the 3,000th time in this book, went, how? How did the police not do a further investigation, you know? It just seems so unbelievable that something as violent as this wouldn't get traced back. And, you know, like, why didn't Toby say anything? It's not, I'm not trying to uh, justify quasi-incest on this podcast, but they're not related. It's weird. I wouldn't hook up with, like, my stepbrother, but, like... It, it, they're already social pariahs. I don't know. Don't fuck your stepsister. I don't know. I don't control things. Um, but yeah, it's like, I feel like if Toby just said, yeah, Jenna and I were in the treehouse, Allison did this? Come on. Allison can't fuck the police department. You know what? I probably shouldn't put it past her. Sarah Shepard probably would have had it that she just fucked the police officers. Maybe, 
a girl can hook up with her teacher and it's okay. So, the big secret of the girls that they're like, oh no, please don't tell everyone, is Arya's dad cheated on her mom with a college student, which again, is not good, but at least it's an adult who can consent. Like, I hate when they make high school student-teacher relationships out to be this, like, forbidden romance. No, dude, you're just a pedophile, okay? Hook up with a college student. Like, yeah, a 19-year-old's gonna be a little stupid, but it's like, you won't go to jail, okay? Um, so, yeah, Arya caught her dad, and they both agree to not tell her mom, which is really, really shitty. Emily is, she was in love with Allison, and yeah, so, shock of all shocks, is probably bisexual or a lesbian. Sarah Shepard doesn't really make a decision about all of this. She kind of uses Emily's bisexuality, lesbianism, only for plot purposes, never as an integral part of her character. Um, Spencer made out with her older sister's boyfriend at the time. She cornered him, kissed him on the cheek, and then they started making out. Granted, the boyfriend was 18, Spencer was 13. Allison, being the somewhat voice of reason, was like, what the fuck? I'm going to tell your sister. She didn't, just lorded it over Spencer. Hannah's big secret is the eating disorder, which, yeah, sorry girl, that's a little fucked up, but therapy helps. Go to therapy. For a young adult audience, this is supposed to be, ooh, scandal, ah. I feel like this could have been a lot better if the characters had been aged up four to five years. I spent a lot of this book going, this would be a lot more interesting if these characters were a lot older and they're thinking about their time in high school. So like if Arya was in college and like her big seeker was she hooked up with her high school teacher and at the same time she starts getting these texts from A, her father's cheating was made public to her mother and so there's this already the family is torn apart by the cheating and the divorce to get the secret that Arya was statutorily raped by her teacher would cause enough drama I think that would be a thing that we could have explored with an older Arya who was able to process this wasn't okay I'm not okay with this and maybe this self-punishment of internalizing it you know it could have been a lot more deeper and a little more tragic and I think just more stakes. Emily's queer awakening is fine. Her family's kind of shown to be conservative and a little bit racist when the plot calls for it. But I also feel like if she got out of that town and was in a better, more queer accepting place, her arc is kind of null and void, you know? So doesn't really have much going for it. Spencer's whole thing, I think it's fine. I mean, not hooking up with her sister's boyfriend. The uh, overachiever student who cheated on an entrance exam or just 
bribed or did something not great to get into her dream Ivy League school so she could one-up her sister. I think having that and her academic career just topple in one go is a lot more interesting than this 18-year-old dude made out with a 13-year-old and ooh, Hannah's eating disorder, it could work. I, I think that's, if it escalated into a drug addiction or something, just, I don't know. I feel like these books could have been done a lot better. But then again, I did first read these in high school when I was a junior in high school. So I was kind of like, ooh. And then I read them again two years ago and was kind of like, dude, what the fuck? I wanted to look at this book in two ways. One, as it was intended, a book for teenagers. It's not supposed to be that deep. Or Sarah Shepard writing a commentary on white, straight, privilege of these wealthy people who can get away with these things because they can they have the resources i'm not implying sarah shepherd lacks critical thought but i don't think that's what she's going for you know i'm probably projecting because this could have been done a lot better and i find that if i'm watching something or reading something i don't really care for I find myself rewriting it and going, this could be better if we did this, 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 and this. But the TV show actually did a good job with this book and expanding it. I mean, granted, it ran way too long and got way fucking bonkers. Like, really fucking bonkers. Ren gets shot and killed. Ren is the boyfriend that hooks up with Spencer. He gets shot and killed and made into a diamond. So the first episode covers the first book pretty well. And this could have been a limited series instead of being 160 episodes of just really bad uh, stuff. I mean, the marketing got really transphobic and yeah. So that's essentially all my thoughts about Pretty Little Liars. Thank you all for coming out to listen to another episode of Loyal's Book Club. You can find me at Dalen Antone on Instagram, and we also have an official Instagram account at Loyal's Book Club. You can find Eric on Instagram and Twitter at Viva La Danes for both. So tune in next week where we will be starting The Shadow Rising, the fourth book in the Wheel of Time series. And if you are listening to us not on Discord, we have a link to our Discord in the description below. We want to thank you all again for coming out and we will see you all next time.